Hello, and welcome to another episode of 4 from 4 is the Most Accurate Podcast. My name is John Paulson. Uh, John Daigle has the, the day off because today we have one of my favorite guests on to do our fifth annual deep dive into the wide receiver position. He is Matt Harmon of Yahoo Sports. He also has his own website, Reception Perception, where he charts uh, route running to excruciating detail. If you want to take your receiver knowledge to the next level, be sure to subscribe to his site. You can also find him on Twitter, X, whatever we're calling it, at Matt Harmon underscore BYB. Welcome back, Matt. A uh, excruciating detail is certainly the way to say it. Uh, I appreciate this, John. Glad we are able to get it in here. Um, you know, maybe a little bit later than usual. That's probably on me. Uh, but you know, <laughs> real life sometimes it happens. But uh, I'm excited to be here to talk about this. I think the receiver position this year. I mean, it, we say it every year that there's so many good players, there's so many good guys. But I think it, you know, especially in fantasy, like how to crack it this year, I think is a really uh, fun challenge. So I'm ex- excited to talk about it. Yeah, we were actually going to have you on a couple of weeks earlier. You said you had a few more uh, chart charting uh, folks to wrap up and uh, add to the database. So I want as many players in the database as we could when I could start to crunch my numbers, which I'll get into in a minute. Uh, so we decided to do it this week, August 9th. So uh, just a quick business note, we've partnered with Sleeper to offer a free 4 for 4 Pro subscription just for depositing 20 bucks in their picks game. If you get to a 100% match up to $100 as well, uh, current and new sleeper accounts are eligible as long as they haven't deposited into the picks game yet. So you can get a free 444 sub that way. We've also partnered with Vivid Picks and BetMGM to offer free subs. Just hit the subscribe button in the top right of the site to find out more. You can also get 10% off any 444 subscription with the code Paulson. That's S-E-N, spelled the correct way, Paulson10. All right, we're going to jump right in. Uh, I'm not going to ask Matt to give the listeners a overview of reception perception process. I'm going to try to link to a previous episode for that, uh, for those that are interested in that, but let's just trust that his process is good. It's been a number of years now that he's been refining it. Uh, and one note here, I'm going to be mentioning my one number rankings, uh, where I have compiled Matt's perception perception data into one number so I can quickly see how a player uh, did in Matt's charting in any particular year. I like to use this to sort of see players that maybe uh, didn't uh, score a lot of fantasy points, but uh, did well in his success rates. Maybe these are emerging players. Uh, also like to see what players are going, how they're doing from year to year. Uh, so I don't publish a full rankings out of respect for Matt's work, but it's a good reference. We always dis- discussed it on the podcast, so uh, I think it's fair game right now. There are 49 players in the sample for now. We're missing Tyree Kill, which we know he's awesome. We did go coming? go live this morning, actually. Oh, so. I missed I missed him in my data, but I'm sure he did. I'm sure he did quite well. Actually, yeah. one of the poster childs <laughs> for the reception perception process. He did uh, a few years ago. He was uh, going in the fifth round, and uh, Matt identified that he was a very good route runner at that point, and he ended up finishing very high that year. I remember getting him in the fifth round that year on your data. So there are 49 players in the sample. Uh, I just wanted to briefly discuss the top 10. Uh, we've got some. Familiar names. I'm sure when you start to chart Stefan Diggs and Justin Jefferson and Cooper Cup, it's just like, okay, these guys are awesome. This isn't, these aren't the uh, most interesting. I mean, they're obviously awesome route runners. So maybe not the most interesting charting processes for you to do because you're not like unearthing some mystery. Uh, Devontae Adams, AJ Brown, and Chris Olave actually popped in uh, in the top 10 as well. But one guy I wanted to ask, we're going to talk about Olave in a little bit, but one guy I wanted to ask about immediately because I have kind of torn on him because of the year and a half off, which is Calvin Ridley. Uh, You charted his 2021 sample. He's our underdog uh, featured player of the day. ADP has been bopping around a little bit here with a toe injury that he picked up in camp. Uh, He he was number 10 in the one number rankings. Uh, This is from the 2021 charting. He's wide receiver 15 off the board, pick 28 at underdog. Uh, Just, I'm going to give the brief spiel and you tell me why, you think you like him or don't like him this year. I think you're probably going to like him. 28-year-old, uh, so age shouldn't be an issue. Missed the last season and a half. There was no injury here to keep him out. So that's the difference between him and, say, Michael Thomas. Uh, it wasn't an injury that kept him out. It was a mental issue. You know, he wanted to step away for mental health issues. And then he got dinged for a full season suspension. Uh, so physically, he should be just fine. Uh, he is dealing with that toe injury, as I mentioned. He was a reception perception favorite heading into 2021 
How do you think his carry, uh, his production is going to carry over? Route running should be fine carrying over. I, I worry a little bit about the rust, but he is getting an upgrade at quarterback now. I guess it's Matt Ryan before, and now it's uh, Trevor Lawrence, but it's certainly better than Desmond Ritter. And a cry, uh, crowded uh, receiving core there with Christian Kirk, Zay Jones, uh, Evan Ingram there in Jacksonville. Yeah. Look, I mean, uh, by the way, just about the top guys, I wouldn't say they're the the not fun guys to chart, maybe to write up. It's like, could I just maybe instead of the 500, 700 word profile that I usually give people, can I just write, yep, very, very good. Thumbs up. Let's keep moving. Uh, <laughs> the more the more uh, rough guys to chart is like two games in, you're like, ooh, this is not going to be good, but I got to get through six more because that's the process. But um, Calvin Ridley is one of those really fun players to chart, and I'm glad – um, I included him in this in, in the database this year because I wanted to remind people, you know, what type of player he was. And like you said, you know, number ten in in the one number rankings because man, this guy such a good player. Uh, and, and you mentioned in the early portions of his reception perception uh, career, you know, 2018, 2019, he was very much looking like a Stefan Diggs type of player. Uh, and I think that's who he was in 2020. You know, he had that type of season from a production standpoint. He did a lot of the damage too when Julio Jones was out. And, and as reception perception showed, 76% success rate versus man, 81.4% success rate versus zone, and 75.6% success rate versus press while being doubled on 6.8% of his routes. That, I think, is a relatively high number. And obviously, when Jones was out, that's when that number started to jump up. I, I think the common thought was, oh, he had a kind of a down season in 2021 when he was out there. But that's why I wanted to go back and include this, this profile because all those three success rates I just read off from 2020, when you look at his 2021 five-game sample, 76.4% success rate versus man, 80.5% success rate versus zone, and 75% success rate versus press. He was basically that same guy. I think he had already emerged as like a true number one, top 10 in the NFL type of receiver. You know, he actually was thrown into um, a lot of contested situations in that five-game sample, and I kind of wish I had thought to myself – I wonder why this guy who's open all the time is being thrown into contested situations. Maybe it's because the quarterback play is uh, the quarterback's arm is starting to decline. We'll put a pin in that when we get back to Michael Pittman at some point later in the show. Uh, so for Calvin Ridley, I think from a talent perspective, I don't have any problems. I think he's a. I think he is exactly what Trevor Lawrence needs. You watch that Jaguars offense last year. All year long, you're thinking they need a true number one receiver on the outside that can beat press man coverage. That is Calvin Ridley. He has that type of ability to be, like I said, a Stephon Diggs light type of player. And I, I don't know, John, I think the offense is crowded, but I think they can be a very concentrated unit, much like the Eagles were last year. Like when they were throwing the ball, they were throwing the ball to A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, Dallas Goddard, and that was it. I think the Jaguars, they're going to throw the ball to, you know, and they sprinkle in Quez Watkins. I think the Jags are going to sprinkle in Zay Jones, but it's mostly going to be Ridley, Kirk, and Evan Ingram. So I like them to be that type of offense as you're very concentrated, and I like uh, Calvin Ridley. Look, I, I said when the trade first went down, I wanted to be cautiously optimistic about Calvin Ridley. I've thrown caution to the wind. I am ranked as my wide receiver 13 this year. I, I think he's, he, he's a my guy that I want people to draft. That was uh, my follow-up question because you know I'm looking at the third round of drafts and it's that's where I see uh, perceived drop-off in talent or just you know comparing them to the fourth, fifth rounders that are available. There isn't a big disparity for me between some of these receivers, some of these running backs, and the guys you can get a little bit later. And we're going to talk about a few of those guys we can get later, but. So you, Calvin Ridley was sitting there in the middle to the late third round. Is he, you know, somebody that I want to target? I loved him prior to this, you know, departure from the NFL suspension. But, you know, you're looking at these receivers going after him. DK Metcalf, not crazy about him at wide receiver 16. Amari Cooper getting a little bit older. we got a weird quarterback situation going on there. Debo's pretty solid. But, you know, there's some fourth, fifth, sixth round uh, receivers that we're going to talk about that, you know, maybe this is where I'm drafting a top three quarterback, or maybe this is where I'm drop, uh, drafting Mark Andrews. So how do you you compare Ridley to maybe switching up and going with one of those other positions? Yeah, look, I think I, I would just take Ridley because I think, it, imagine this, like live in this pretend world where 
we were it, like the, the two worlds were combined here. Like Calvin Ridley had not spent any time away from football. We're talking about the player that was in 2020 and 2021. And that player was intersecting with Trevor Lawrence. I think you would rank that guy where you're ranking Garrett Wilson, where you're ranking Amon Ross St. Brown. So even having him at 13, which is aggressive, is still below where I think he would be if all things were equal. So I get all things are not equal, but again, that's the talent I think he is. Like I think he's that type of player, and I think Trevor Lawrence is that type of quarterback. All right, let's move on to a section that I've got listed as my primary middle-round targets. I just dropped my draft ace to Chidri this week, and these are the three receivers that I, I want. And I think that these guys represent the best values on the board at the position uh, especially as you get in the middle of rounds. So, and we're going to just, just talk about them as a group. Deontay Johnson, wide receiver 31 ADP, number six in the one number rankings. Tyler Lockett, wide receiver 30, number three in the one number rankings. And then Terry McLaurin, a little maybe uh, going off the board more reasonably because he's number 21 in the one number rankings, but he's been a reception perception favorite for a few years now. He's he's really improved his route running. His ADP is wide receiver 24. So what I've been telling uh, my followers and subscribers is that you could you could pretty easily get McLaurin in the fourth, either Deontay or Tyler Lockett in the fifth, depending on your site's ADP and who might go first, and then turn around in the sixth round and get Deontay or Tyler Lockett in the in the sixth round. And those are your three receivers. Maybe you add a a stud receiver at the start of the draft, and you know, that's your four four man group. But this is really good value here in this in this fourth to sixth round compared to some of those guys going maybe in the third round, second round. Yeah, I think McLaurin, only reason he's a little lower this year in like the num one number rankings is, you know, he has a lower success rate versus man this year than in his previous three years, but it's still a really good number. You know, he's still a really good player. We've seen him reach like 97th, 96th percentile type numbers in reception perception the two years prior. And really last year, they had him running out as like a pure X receiver and was never, really never moving. You know, you look at him um, last year, for his sample snaps, he was outside on 83.4% of his sample snaps. It was on the line for 94.6%. Like there was no pre-snap motion. Um, the other guys were kind of the movement players. I think they'll give you a little bit better about that with McLaurin this year. But yeah, look, I mean, you're not going to be surprised that I'm going to rubber stamp all those players um, as very good. You know, Deontay Johnson, I think, I, he's kind of like the weirdest good player of all time. You know, he has like no touchdowns last year, but he has two two point conversions. The yards per target's always really low because of the, I mean, the two point conversions. Give me a break. You know, I, I'm, I'm really interested, John, in the Steelers' offense this year. I've, I've never been a big fan of Matt Canada's route combinations. I think like the, the go routes and hitch route, like basic route combinations that they have you're really drawn dead against like cover two and two high defenses. Like just think about it from a structural perspective, like where you're coming back into those zones, like where you're running into the zone on the, on the go route. It's just not very efficient for modern NFL offenses to, to face off against modern NFL defenses would have been good. Like in 16, 15, when there was a lot more man coverage out there. So it's like kind of high level, you know, nerdy football stuff, but it does matter from the efficiency part from a fantasy perspective. And I think, when you look at the way that this offense finished, I think they were starting to mix up Deontay's route combinations a little bit, like getting him on some more outbreaking stuff. You know, George Pickens, can he take a step in like the intermediate short area? Are they going to cut back his amount of go routes? You know, I think Allen Robinson, nobody wants to hear it, is going to be a fun fit as their slot receiver, much more than he was as the Rams X receiver. He can't play that role anymore, but maybe he can play this role. I like Pat Fryermuth, and I kind of think Kenny Pickett can take a step. So, I think Deontay Johnson's a screaming value where he's going right now. I just really I, I like this offense and, and how it's set up at this point. Yeah, I would hope that Pike Pickett has some upside. He had, I think, seven passing touchdowns last year. That was a big problem for the Steelers offense. Uh, McLaurin, uh, I'm interested in Sam Howell. Uh, I, I think that there's some upside there. He had a uh, 31.6 target share in that one game that Howell uh, played. Uh, Deontay, uh, I believe the stat, uh, 142 to 152, there's 52, uh, or there's 50 receivers since 2010 that have had that many targets and they have averaged 7.3 touchdowns per game, uh, if he had, or per, per year. And if he had uh, just kept his touchdown rate prior to last year, he would have scored 7.3 touchdowns last year. So a lot of touchdown upside. If, he, if the picket can just be average, uh, I think Deontay, you know, takes off. And then Tyler Lockett um, is an interesting case because, you know, we've been 
talking about him on this podcast on this uh, on the deep dive for years and years and years and he just always seems to outproduce his draft position last year he was uh wide receiver 13 uh in scoring and he's going off the board wide receiver 30 uh they did add obviously jackson smith and jigba which i think everybody is uh, saying is going to take with his adp is going to take targets away from lockett um, but I don't think that he's just going to go away. Uh, I think, uh, you know, wide receiver 30 is still a steal uh, for Tyler Lockett. Anything, anything you want to say about Lockett? I mean, what are we doing here with Tyler Lockett? Like, you know, <laughs> I, I last year, I, it's funny. There's several receivers that have been great in the last decade that I think you're starting to see the signs of decline. You know, I mentioned Allen Robinson. I think there are signs of decline there. I, obviously, I think with Keenan Allen, there have been signs of decline there. DeAndre Hopkins, some small signs of decline. Like, is that is he kind of reaching that point? Lockett's around the same age of all these guys, but there was no signs. Of, like, I could see this this fear if there was some. Okay, the scoring was good, but maybe he didn't look the same. He had the best success rate versus man coverage of his entire career last year. 96th percentile in reception perception history was great against press was great against zone was great at all three levels. I, I don't look, if you want to say that Jackson Smith and Jig was going to come in here and take from one of these two receivers, it can just as easily be DK Metcalf as it can for Tyro Lockett, who I think Tyro Lockett's been, and I love DK Metcalf. I'm a DK Metcalf fan, but I, you know, you can make the argument that Lockett's been the better receiver there the last three years. And I think, Really, John, it just comes down to I think that Geno Smith's performance last year was stable. I think this offense is going to kick ass this year, man. I, I really think my answer is you can draft Lockett, absolutely. You can also draft Metcalf where he's going, and I think you can take Jackson Smith and Jigba where he's going. Like I just want to be in on all of these Seahawks receivers, but Lockett is for sure, I think, the screaming value of the three. And the easiest way to buy in is to get Geno Smith. He's available so late. Uh, and you you now have rolled out quarterback profiles, uh, Derek, at Reception Perception, Derek Klassen. Uh, I wanted to see what he thought of Geno Smith, and basically he said he does not think it's a flash in the pan uh, his season last year. So that that bodes well for this entire offense, including Tyler Lockett, my favorite. Among fan. the guys that Derek has on the site right now, Geno Smith is number one in success rate, which is basically like an accuracy measure, success rate against throwing against man coverage. So that lines up well for a man-beater in Tyler Lockett, a man-beater in DK Metcalf, and a guy in Jackson Smith the Jigba, I think, from the slot can beat man coverage. Yeah, and if, for those that want to go late-round quarterback, it's still alive in the form of Geno Smith, maybe Daniel Jones. Uh, but Geno Smith's got a great, great receiving core. Uh, all right, so let's uh, move on to a few other middle-round values. I wanted to ask you about Michael Pittman. This is a, I'm looking at Michael Pittman. I'm looking at Drake London. I'm looking at DJ Moore, and I'm looking at Marquise Brown. These guys all have quarterback issues. Uh, some of them are being dinged for their quarterback issues more than others. Michael Pittman finished uh, fantasy-wise wide receiver 23 last year. He's the wide receiver 34 off the board. He has turned in back-to-back -back seasons in the top eight in the one-number rankings and success rate. Uh, he, you, we think he's really good. Uh, but can he survive Anthony Richardson at quarterback? What, what, are, what are the pluses and minuses here? So I think... You're right. Michael Pittman, very good player. Like I mentioned earlier, watching Calvin Ridley in 2021, going back and charting that season, like, ah, the signs were definitely there that Matt Ryan's arm was starting to fall off. And then it completely fell off in Indianapolis, unfortunately. And I think when you look at Michael Pittman, though, like you said, 95th percentile success rate versus press. Uh, he's really good in, in the one number rankings. Like, I think he's got all the chops to be a true number one receiver. I love the way they use him on these like routes over the middle, you know, dig routes, slant routes, curl routes. He's going to, and and I think the marriage of those routes where he's really good and Pittman separates all, all over the field. He's maybe not the best vertical separator, but he can win combative jump balls down there, which we saw with Carson Wentz in 2021. It's like we had the one quarterback that would get Michael Pittman the ball on these deep contested routes and the one who could only get him the ball on like six yard in routes. Can we get someone to meet him in the middle? Can Anthony Richardson be the guy to meet him in the middle? But with those routes that they have Pittman run a lot and the routes that um, I think he's really successful, kind of in like a Keenan Allen type of way, winning those routes over the middle, this is going to be an RPO-heavy offense. And the research done by Ben Gretsch and J.J. Zacharyson on like how targets can funnel to one guy on these like RPO-heavy offenses, and that can help offset some of the – concerns about a mobile quarterback and, and, and even a rookie mobile quarterback 
Michael Pittman dominated first read targets according to uh, Fantasy Points data last year, and I think we know why, right? He's really good. He's always getting open. So I think he can survive there. I think if Richardson is good, there's a lot of upside at a very low draft value. So I've been consistently ranking Michael Pittman ahead of consensus because, look, I get the the risk there that they're going to be very run heavy, but I think if one guy is going to be able to uh, overcome it, and I like all, I like kind of like this receiver core generally, I think it's going to be Michael Pittman though. This is like prime usage of the reception perception for fantasy is to identify a player like this who is a really, really good route runner and is getting better and yet is going this late in drafts. I mean, you're able to get him seventh round uh, as your wide receiver three or wide receiver four. And, and to have this young, talented player available at that point, I mean, it's weird to see him and Mike Evans you know, going that late together. Uh, Godwin's going a little bit earlier, but they all have quarterback problems. All right, so... You spoke to Michael Pittman. We, we have reasons to be optimistic due to the offense uh, and how it could funnel to one player. So that's good. Now, Drake London has an issue, which is a quarterback issue as well. Uh, maybe Desmond Ritter is better than Anthony Richardson. I don't know. I just want to mention Anthony Richardson. I think his deep ball accuracy was actually really good. So that might play into the Alec Pierce and also the Michael Pittman contested catches downfield. I just want to mention that. But Drake London, wide receiver 25 ADP. He finished wide receiver 38 last year. So this is almost a flip of what Pittman did last year and what they're be, where they're being ranked, drafted now. So I just find this whole thing odd. Can he survive? I mean, he obviously did very well in your charting, number 15 in the one-number rankings, not as well as Pittman, but really well. Uh, can he survive Desmond Ritter, uh, Arthur Smith, and the return of Kyle Pitts? Pretty, pretty fun player. Um, and actually kind of similar players, I think, a little bit with Michael Pittman, where they're these big receivers, but they're really underrated separators, especially underneath. Like you look at some of those routes we were talking about uh, for Michael Pittman with Drake London, by the way, two USC products as well. 82.4% success rate versus slant uh, on slant routes, 81.8 on curls, 80% uh, digs. But then the really interesting stuff with Drake London is I do think he's a great vertical receiver as well. You know, 63.2% success rate on nine routes, 88.2% success rate on post routes. And we know that one thing that this offense wants to do, and I really, I know this is like the worst thing any fantasy analyst can say, but I really like Arthur Smith's offense. I really like the way they design passing plays. I like the route combinations. Um, I get it. Like people are pissed at the way things went for Kyle Pitts last year. That's kind of a separate thing. But I like the way that they design offenses. The offense there in Tennessee, well, from, coming from Tennessee to Atlanta, I've always liked Arthur Smith's route combinations and the way he uses play action to get these guys big shot plays down the field. Really what we're asking from Desmond Ritter here is to just be functional. And like if you look at that 21 Falcons offense, again, Matt Ryan I think was in decline, but Matt Ryan averaged like 33 pass attempts per game that year. I know it was like down at 24 with Marcus Mariota, but we have to remember that Marcus Mariota, not only is he a scrambler, he also takes a bunch of sacks too. And that kills your passing volume overall when you have those two combinations and a coach that wants to run the ball a little bit. But Ritter was up around like 28 pass attempts per game. And, and I think they could even get up to that like 29-30 number if they're confident in Ritter. And by all the indications, they're confident in Ritter. I don't have like a strong Desmond Ritter take. All I know is we're just asking him to be functional. And I think if he's functional, then we could see Drake London have like an A.J. Brown second year type of uh, year in this offense. Yeah, they did throw the ball a little bit more with Ritter, but it wasn't much. And I'm looking at his deep ball adjusted accuracy at PFF, and he's 62nd out of 78 with a 20% adjusted deep ball accuracy, which is something I look at when he's putting it. Yeah. So I'm, I'm worried. And the, what I'm getting at is that Pittman's being dinged for it in terms probably like, you know, if he finished wide receiver 23 last year, and he's going wide receiver 35, he's getting dinged 12 spots yet. London is going 13 spots earlier. So I just, that doesn't, that disconnects for me. Uh, and there's another couple of guys, Marquise Brown and DJ Moore. Uh, Marquise Brown definitely has quarterback questions. Those that could be alleviated quickly. If Kyler Murray is able to come back and play early in the season, um, DJ Moore has a, major quarterback issue. I mean, Justin Fields was objectively bad at throwing the ball as good as he was running the ball and being a fantasy player. He was objectively bad throwing the ball. And I think uh, football outsiders came out with a stat about, you know, quarterbacks that were negative DO, DVOA or whatever for the first two seasons. They don't, they don't, there's like one out of a million that have bounced back and been, been good. So it's interesting to see 
the it's interesting to see the faith in DJ Moore, the lack of faith in Marquise Brown, the faith in Drake London, and the lack of faith in Michael Pittman. I just wanted to touch on that as we get into these middle rounds and, and who you're maybe targeting. And then if you see a Pittman or a you know Marquise Brown slipping wide receiver 35, wide receiver 40, jump on the talent. Uh, Jahan Dotson, speaking of talent. Kind of under the radar with Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, kind of grabbing the rookie headlines. And he he missed some time with injury, so he finished wide receiver fifty. So the guys that just you know draft off of last season's success aren't going to really notice some wide receiver thirty nine on a points per game basis. So getting into that wide receiver three tier, uh, he has a wide receiver thirty six ADP. So that's kind of that's, that's but he was twenty second in your one number rankings. What do you think of Dotson? Yeah, I'm kind of right in line consensus on on Dotson, maybe a little bit higher, because uh, I really like the player, like you mentioned, um, and I liked him as a prospect too. I'm not, I'm not sure if we talked about it on the show last year, but I like John Dotson as a prospect. But even the way that I liked him, like I expected him to be sort of like uh, almost like a Doug Baldwin, Tyler Lockett, not even maybe Tyler Lockett, but I well, I I thought he would be more like Doug Baldwin than Tyler Lockett in the sense that he was going to be like a vertical slot receiver but pretty similar to like Tyrell Lockett. He comes in his first year and he was awesome on the outside. You know, from the game sample, he was outside uh, on 66.9% uh, of his sampled route or sampled snaps. And he had an 87th percentile success rate versus press. I didn't see that, like that part of it coming. The fact that he was so good against press coverage on the outside, so good against man coverage and was still very good against zone coverage as well. And you look at his route success rate chart, great on vertical routes and really those routes too where he has to break back to the quarterback in man coverage like comebacks curls he was one of the best receivers sampled last year on comeback routes very impressive stuff for a rookie receiver who we also know is weirdly good in contested situations for his side he size he's a great 50 ball 50 50 ball player I think him and uh, McLaurin are an awesome duo. You know, I still like Curtis Samuel a lot too. Yo, Sam Howell's good. Like this Washington offense is is set to fly. Um, you know, I, I really like these guys. And I think you can be in on Jahan Dotson and still be in on uh, Terry McLaurin this year. I think those two guys are are going in really comfortable ranges of the draft. Yeah, I think there's just a, a lot of folks sleeping on this offense because of Howell and the quarterback changes and perhaps – you know, Jacoby Brissett is the backup. They feel like Howell's not uh, secure in his job or whatever. But I think this is a great reason to draft Howell as a QB2 or QB3 in your, in your super flex yeah. drafts. He's got and a like, great receiving like, core. Look, it's it's Washington. I get it. And it's Jahan Dotson who's like a smaller route running guy. But he made big plays downfield. Like that's what I, people are like. Oh, he's just he's just a route runner or whatever. Watch, go back and watch the just the highlights for Jahan Dotson last year. Like big plays down the field, making people miss in the open field, winning in tight coverage. Like he's a better football player, or at least he was a better football player as a rookie than Christian Watson, than George Pickens, than Traylon Burks. Like these big receivers that people like. Everybody's still so receiver sizest. And I'm not saying I'm all out on all three of those guys. To varying degrees, I have my concerns with with each of them a little bit, but I'm still generally okay with Watson and Pickens. But like, I, I just don't get it. I think Dotson showed you everything you'd need to see from like a a potential not I'm not saying star quality, but a really good starting receiver that I think can take even another step this year. So I like him better than all those three players as a real life football player. I'm not saying I'm ranking him ahead of Christian Watson or anything. Who go, no goes much higher, but. Man, Dotson's rookie season, one of the most underrated, I think, of the last few years. And I think that's due to injury. So let me just run through what I saw when I looked at his game logs. Through the first four weeks prior to the hamstring injury, he was the fantasy wide receiver 21 with 12 catches for 152 yards and four touchdowns. He returned in week 10. He didn't get to starter snaps, though, until week 13. At that point, he rattled off five for 54 and a touchdown, four for 105 and a touchdown, six for 76 and a touchdown, three for 37 and three for 72. Uh, he averaged 9.4 fantasy points on the season, but when those th the three limited games are removed, he averaged 3.7 catches, 55 yards, 0.78 touchdowns, or 12.1 fantasy points per game. Those are solid wide receiver two numbers, easily fantasy starter numbers. And that's his upside if he's able to stay healthy in this offense. And I think by hook or by crook, you know, shout out to ODU's finest, Taylor Heineke, but... I think they're going to get better quarterback play one way or another this year. I mean, Heineke, I, 
he was an XFL backup quarterback before coming to Washington. So I don't know. Yeah, I'm, I'm just hoping that Pittman doesn't go the way of McLaurin here with his continued uh, sketchy quarterback plays, but we'll we'll, we'll see. I think uh, you could argue that Pittman for all uh, you know for the guys that I've loved like Allen Robinson, you know, for for like Terry McLaurin, these guys get stuck with bad quarterbacks. The guys that Michael Pittman has had thrown in the ball the last few years like aren't even in the league. Like Carson Wentz is posting <laughs> photos of himself in all three of his old jerseys. Um, I mean, Matt Ryan is doing games for CBS. Jacob Eason is not in the league anymore. That's a real person who's thrown Michael Pittman a pass. And and like Sam Ellinger is the he's still in the league, but he's the third quarterback for the Colts now. It's tough. It's tough out there if you're Michael Pittman uh, backer, but we'll see. I think maybe Anthony Richardson will be a little bit better than people expect, especially downfield. Uh, another middle round guy that's just kind of forgotten wide receiver, not forgotten, but people, a lot of people love Brandon Ayuk. Uh, but his his ADP is wide receiver 29. He finished fantasy wide receiver 15 last year. He was wide receiver 23 in points per game. Now he did benefit for some from some Debo Samuel injuries there. There's there's definitely been some splits issues when Debo is healthy. Uh, in your in your route running though, your charting, he went from 19 last year in the one number rankings to number 12. So he's continuing to hone his craft and get better at the route running aspect of it. I think there's a lot of upside here if there's either a Debo injury or a Kittle injury, or if we to believe Kyle Uzcheck that he just looks different and might be the featured pass catcher this year. What do you think? Yeah, I think there's upside with both of those paths. Like you said, I think everybody knows, like, look, if Debo gets hurt or Kittle gets hurt or McCaffrey gets hurt, all three of those guys have dealt with injury issues in the past. You know, knock on wood, Ayuk has been the most healthy of the three over the course of their NFL careers. Um, I, I think, like, that's obviously the upside path. But there is an upside scenario where he just is so much better than everybody else. And those guys are all really good players too, by the way. You know, Debo is one of the best zone-beating receivers in the league. He's one of the most unique receivers in the league. Kittle's a great tight end, and obviously McCaffrey is a, is a star pass catcher. But this offense, I think to this day, has still – we get caught up in like the gadgety stuff, the gadget receivers and, and all the pizzazz and whatever. But this offense is still bet, best when they have like a number one alpha receiver that can line up at the X and can beat press man coverage. Think about Kyle Shanahan's offenses back in Houston – uh, with the Texans, uh, with Andre Johnson, even like Pierre Garçon when they had, and I mean, we're talking about Pierre Garçon, like Pierre Garçon, there was a couple years in Washington. I mean, Julio Jones with the Atlanta Falcons and like Brandon Ayuk is on that trajectory right now. 91st percent success rate uh, against man, never 91st percent, a 91st percentile success rate versus man coverage, 79.3% success rate versus press. Like the guys that are 79% against press they all become like superstars basically unless you're terry mclaurin and you're stuck with bad quarterback play so i i think Ayuk is just on that rocket ship trajectory up and if this is the year i want to be drafting him if it's next year i want to be the year drafting him like at some point he's going to have that stefan diggs leap where we're sitting here on this show talking about his success rates like these are some of the best numbers in the league but then the situation catches up and man, then we're talking about um, one of the best and most productive receivers in the league. Yeah, if we get him 140 targets instead of 114 targets, it's a game changer for him. I just don't know. Like, I, they're manufacturing touches for Debo. They're manufacturing touches for for McCaffrey. I mean, maybe the answer to this is Brock Purdy. I mean, with all this talent in this offense, it's just it's tough. It's tough to. But at the same time, you see him there, seventh round, sixth, seventh round. You know he has the talent. These are the guys we want to bet on. Uh, you just can't. I think fantasy managers have a tendency to assume health, full health, for a player's teammates as they're looking at the the player's ADP and saying, "Oh well, he only he doesn't do it when Debo and Kill are healthy, so I can't draft him." But you can't assume full health, so you got to take that into account. The chances of some injury there for him to to explode, and then also just the talent level. For him to, to to make a leap, um, should be we should we be worried? Jerry Judy finished wide receiver twenty six last year, uh, fantasy wise. He's a wide receiver twenty one ADP. So, fantasy managers are thinking he's going to improve. He didn't do great in your charting, as far as I can tell. Number forty one in the one number rankings. He also has, and normally you see this, and I go look at the contested catch rate, and it's like, oh, he's fine. He's you know he can he catches eighty five. 80% of his 
contested catches, but he had a poor contested catch rate too. So wh- what what do we do with Judy? Uh, we're not drafting him at wide receiver 21. That's what we're not going to do. Um, and I don't dislike Jerry Judy as a player. I think what has happened with Jerry Judy is he came into this, he came into the NFL with a reputation of being a big time route runner. Like that, um, that's pretty normally a pretty good indicator, but we've seen him decline the last two years, really in his second, his second season, but he had the high ankle sprain. And then last year he's at like a 70.6% success rate versus man, which is, it's okay. It's good. It's actually 63rd percentile. It's a good number, but it's not where I think people imagine him to be. The real troubling stuff is 68.4% success rate versus zone coverage. Just a fifth percentile score in reception perception history. And I think, Again, the consistency is not there as a route runner. The consistent technique is not there as a route runner. I think he still gets overrated based on flash plays and like clips of him doing this at practice. You know, I mean, like that he's one of those guys that like you see the routes on pra- in practice and, and they go crazy on Twitter and stuff like that. But in games, the consistency is not there. And I realize he finished over the last, if you isolate just those last six games, he was really good, right? Well, two problems there. One, Cortland Sutton's banged up during a little bit of that time. Sutton is not a good player. I mean, he's not a great player, but he's like an average starting X receiver. People were overrating him last year. They were too excited about him last year. I'm sure I came on the show and talked about that with Cortland Sutton, but he's not garbage. He's not nothing. Like he's going to be out there commanding about a hundred targets or something like that. I like Greg Dulcich as a tight end. Marvin Mims is a good player. They traded up for, I just don't think that the, separation between Judy and everybody else is really deserved in this Broncos offense when we still have questions about the quarterback play. And I think we should have questions about the the player. And the last thing I'll say about the, the, you know, the, the production and stuff like that, the last six weeks, like the offense was still not good. That's a problem is too. It's like, okay, he was producing in this offense. I get it, but the offense stunk. Like why does the offense continue to run through Jerry Judy if the offense is not good? So I have my issues with, just how people are viewing Judy. I don't think he's a bad player. I just think he's like a number two receiver on a roster full of what I think is probably a bunch of number two receivers. Yeah, he's uh, being drafted five spots ahead of his finish last year. I do think that the offense is going to be better there with Sean Payton running things. I, I think that Russell Wilson can bounce back and have a much better season, but that doesn't necessarily mean that Jerry Judy is going to finish better than he did last year if if uh, you know, if Cortland Sutton, Marvin Mims, uh, Greg Dolchich all break out or do better, they also have Samaj P. Ryan catching passes and Javante Williams as well. So, um, I, I'm a little bit worried about Jerry Judy given the uh, your charting there at reception perception. And I think the one number rankings take into account the man routes, the zone routes, and they weight them based on how many routes they're running. So if he did that poorly against zone, that's why he is where he's at in the one number rankings. Yeah. 61.1% of his routes are against zone coverage. So, and defenses typically are playing zone. So that's a, that's a problem. All right. Michael Thomas. Now I see him in the ninth round sometimes and I'm thinking, Oh, what it, Michael Thomas, this is a really good player. Oh man. If I, what if he's Michael Thomas? Like what if he's back? And I read your, right up it wasn't very encouraging uh he has a wide receiver 42 adp he's number 39 in the one number rankings which is way low for him i mean he used to be a stalwart in the top 10 so you could talk a little bit about what you saw how much do you think of it is rust injury do you think that he could bounce back and you know get you know into the mid-20s and get back to where we're you know, maybe not top 10 but getting really into a more serviceable route runner than he was last year the contested catch rate was right uh, was great at least. So if you can't separate, it's great to be able to contest or c- catch the contested uh, passes. What'd you see with Thomas? Yeah, I mean, number one, it's only a three game sample size, so obviously we got to keep that in mind. It's smaller than we normally want, but in those three games, I think the ability to separate against man and zone coverage was severely lower than than what we've. I mean, this is a guy who, like you said, not only has he been a stalwart in the top ten of the one number rankings, his eighty two point two percent success rate versus zone cover or man coverage and 89.3 percent success rate versus zone in 2018 the year before he broke the catch record that success rate versus man is still the second best in the rp database the zone success rate is still the seventh best in the rp database like there's a player who yeah used to be the best of the best in terms of getting open and i definitely did not see that last year obviously you mentioned the contested catch rate stuff i think he will still be a very valuable player in like tight coverage and 50 50 ball situations but 
you, you got to be concerned about that ability to separate and where he is. And, and to your point about like, what is he going to be this year? I have no idea, right? Like, is it rust? Has he lost a step after so many complicated lower body injuries? I mean, this, this guy's not even like in the same stratosphere, but you look at, um, you, you look at DJ Chark's like 2019 reception perception, and then you look at what he's put out the last two years, and you think about the number of ankle injuries that guy's dealt with in that time, you can kind of understand why there's been that steep decline. And for Thomas, I'm concerned we're kind of in that same zone, and you might just never get that groove back. I'm okay with, like, look, he goes so late, like you said, ninth round, who cares if you, if you swing and miss on that pick? I kind of almost want him to be out there just because – I want there to be more credible threats in the Saints offense so that people can't like really key in on Chris Olave because uh, Chris Olave is the guy I want to draft on this team this year. Yeah, looking at uh, Thomas's uh, ADP uh, wide receiver 42, he's going around Traylon Burks, who I know you're not a – I could safely say you're not a big fan of his. Kadarius Toney, uh, very – Kadarius Toney, very high yards per route run, uh, kind of a gadget player at this point. Yeah, extremely uh, skeptical. <laughs> Cortland Sutton, Quentin Johnson, uh, Odell Beckham, and Zay Flowers, who are intriguing. Uh, but I did see Rashad Bateman came back to practice today, so I'm wondering how that uh, the snaps there are going to shake out. I mean, if we see Odell Beckham and Zay Flowers in 80 90% snap roll, then in a, in a pass-heavier offense, that's great. So I'm just kind of looking at Thomas versus some of these guys and whether or not I'd want to pull a trigger. And the one thing I'd mention on Thomas is that even though – you, the three games that you charted, he didn't fare particularly well uh, in terms of his success rates. He still posted five for 57 and two touchdowns on eight targets, six for 65 and a touchdown on nine targets, and then five for 49, uh, only playing 68% of the snaps. So I think he went down with injury late in that game. Uh, so still was productive, even though the route running wasn't as sharp, separation wasn't as good as previous years. So still might be worth the roll of the dice there if he's you know healthy and active in, in camp you mentioned the contested catch rate um he saw a contested target on 39.1 percent of his sampled routes from weeks one to three in this in this sample here 88.9 percent contested catch rate like he's still got great hands and great hands and tight coverage i kind of wonder if we might see him be more of a slot receiver, like a big slot receiver type, you know, that was where people thought he was going to play coming into the league and like that old Marcus Colston role uh, for the saints. But he actually was like a big X receiver when we were talking about some of those great years for him. So I think a role change and the fact that he still got great hands, those are the stories that you would have to tell yourself. Um, because the, the, obviously again, the, the separation, he was still pretty good against press coverage. It's just like the ability to separate downfield is going to be a concern for Michael Thomas at this point. And maybe they won't ask him to do that as much as they maybe had in the past, given the fact that they have Rashid, Rashid Shahid and Chris Olave, who's obviously the stud there in that offense. Rookie roundup section, speaking of Chris Olave, number nine in the one number rankings, Garrett Wilson, uh, number 18, Christian Watson, number 34 with a pretty good contested catch rate. As a Packer fan, I'm rooting for Christian Watson. He is the thing that stands out about him. He's the fastest player on the field uh, whenever he's on the field, uh, it seems. So if they can get the, him the ball and in motion, he is ridiculously quick. He can just burn by people and that kind of over. And if he can you know, catch the, the ball contested, that kind of overcomes some of these somewhat mediocre numbers, but I think even for uh, maybe you, you weren't expecting him to be a killer route runner in his first year, finishing 34th in the one number rankings, which I know you don't really look at, but it kind of sums up what you've seen. That's not too bad. He's got some potential there as, as a number one. Yeah, he doesn't. Oh, I, yeah, he's a good player. I mean, for sure. He is a good player. 34th, I think is actually really a fair ranking for Christian Watson. Because he's not in the same tier. I don't care what his like yards per route run or any of that stuff says. He's not in the same tier as like Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson. But I think that would be a really unfair like expectation to put on him. But when you look at him, like his strengths are so strong. Uh, coming to the NFL, I compared him to Martavis Bryant, and I still think that's like a great comparison for him because man, Christian Watson can beat you over the top. You look at his post route, nine route, corner route, and deep out route success rate. Those are all really good for on the route tree. Those are four great routes for him. He's also good at getting separation on these like quick flat routes, 88.2% success rate on flat routes, mostly just leaking out against zone coverage there. 
And then, man, he's he's freaky after the catch, much like Martavis Bryant. He could beat you down the field, but he could really kill you in the open field as well. And that's where Christian Watson, I think, really shines. So, you know, is he ever going to be a true number one receiver, like a, a big-time alpha? I think then he's going to have to improve on, like, base NFL routes, like curls and slants and digs and stuff like that. But right now, like, he's going to make plays in key areas. So I, I've been, like – kind of in line with ADP and in line with like expectations for Christian Watson this year, accounting for the fact that we don't know the quarterback. We don't know what that's going to be like. This offense is so young. How much are they going to throw the ball? So I, I don't want people to read reception perception and think like, oh, we're all out on Christian Watson. I actually think your one number ranking for him is really fair. Yeah, and I think it, when I saw it, I was like, oh, he wasn't a total dud. He wasn't in the bottom 10. Well, that's when I get worried is when I see him – you know, in the bottom ten in your in the one number rankings, I'm like, oh boy, this is gonna be a this is gonna be rough. But because Who's those in players, the bottom ten this year. Oh, uh, all right, let me pull it up. I hate to call out names sometimes, but the I bottom mean, you can ten. Just, you can just send it to me. Okay, I'll just. <laughs> you just well, let's just, let, let's just say the a player you meant. I will send it to you, but the the bottom player is DJ Chark. So it it uh, kind of sums up uh, where we're at. Chris Olave, uh, we touched on him. I think he's a little underrated somehow uh, because he, you know, he didn't he didn't win Rookie of the Year. Garrett Wilson won that, but he had a higher catch rate. He finished with higher yards per route run, elite level two point four two, sixth highest mark last season. Um, and there has been a for both these guys, Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave. I don't know if there's any worries on your end with them. They they, they both had quarterback changes, and in theory, they're both upgrades. I think we're safe to say the Jets one is an upgrade. I think we're fairly, you know, Derek Carr, I think the book's in on him. He's probably better than Andy Dalton at this point, uh, Jameis Winston. Um, but there's sometimes some, you know, when Kenny Pickett came in, he and Deontay Johnson just didn't jive very well. Yards per attempt uh, to Deontay were, was very low compared to George Pickens, very high. So sometimes there's some weird stuff that happens with quarterbacks and receivers. Are you, any concerns with uh, Chris Olave or Garrett Wilson where they're going in drafts? No, I think Garrett Wilson, number one, starting with him, like it's deserved uh, for, for Garrett Wilson to be going that high. And number one, the um, I think where the routes where Christian Watson wasn't great last year, those base NFL routes like going over the middle of the field, those were the routes that Garrett Wilson was really good on. So I actually think in a, in a weird way, not only will – Aaron Rodgers bring out the best of Garrett Wilson, which I think is obvious and I think we're hoping for. I think that Garrett Wilson and where he wins will bring out the best of Aaron Rodgers too there in New York. And really the best indicator in Garrett Wilson's rookie profile, which is awesome, and I think he's on a superstar trajectory, Garrett Wilson had an 81.2% success rate versus press coverage. That's at the 94th percentile in RP history. John, the following players in their rookie season have hit 80% success rate versus press. CD Lamb, Michael Thomas, Tyree Kill, Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, and Odo Beckham, and now Garrett Wilson. So, pretty good list. Pretty that's good a, list to be on. That's good company. Really good company. That is good. Yeah. Yeah. I think so they're both think, going. Yeah. I mean, Garrett Wilson's going second round. Chris Olavi early third round, late second round. I think those are fair ADPs for those players. And for Chris Olave, like you mentioned, his, uh, because he's not the same yak guy uh, that, like, that Garrett Wilson is Garrett Wilson's like if Kadarius Tony could actually run routes, he'd be Garrett Wilson. Like that's how good Garrett Wilson can be in the open field with Chris Olave. It's a little more subtle, but if you look at his route percentage chart, number one, the success rates are great. Like you mentioned, Olave is up there in the one number rankings, 75.8% success rate versus man, just shy of that 80% mark against uh, press coverage. So he didn't quite get in that group that Garrett Wilson did, but I mean, he's got those high success rates and 7.4% of his routes were slants. Like 7.4% of his routes, like, you know, the there's no layup routes for Chris Olave. It's all like intermediate and vertical stuff. I think that's where we talk about Derek Carr coming in there because those routes that Derek Carr and Devontae Adams were absolute money on last year, like dig routes, uh, out routes in the intermediate area, Chris Olave's got a ton of experience running those routes. So I think they will click in that area. And I know that a lot of like Andy Dalton's efficiency metrics look good last year. Uh, I think that's because he's thrown to a guy that was always open in Chris Olave. Now Derek Carr will get to do it too. It's, it's funny how quarterbacks like players that are always open. They like to throw to them. Uh, let's do a live sleepers uh, question mark uh, section here. And I'm wondering if we if we like these players, what we think is going to happen with them this year. I, the three guys that jumped out to me, 
in terms of their ADP and possible role. Skymore, uh, Skymore was a reception perception favorite coming out of college. I would say everybody would agree that his uh, rookie year was a disappointment. Uh, he had a good contested catch rate, but he was 22 catches for 250 yards and no touchdowns on 33 targets, only played 28% of the snaps in a offense that sort of needed receivers to step up and didn't. He didn't, uh, or at least the, the Chiefs didn't want him to or feel he could. He had a solid 1.50 yards per route run, which is 49th out of 115 eligible receivers with at least 30 targets. Can he make the leap? It sounds like he's going to be a starter there. Uh, what do you, I mean, I, he could be like one of these post hype sleepers. Yeah, to me, he absolutely is. I mean, I understand why people are upset about, uh, about Sky Moore not playing a ton, right? But like, think about this guy's coming from like Western Michigan, really low level of competition, and he's going to Andy Reid's offense. I've compared that to like, John, if you moved to a foreign country, you had to learn the currency, you had to learn the new language, you had to learn to drive on the other side of the street. That's a huge transition. Not to mention, this is where like going beyond WR next to their name is so important because whose job is Sky Moore supposed to take on that team last year? He's not taking MVS's job. By the way, MVS is like fine. He's fine in playing his role, right? He's not taking that job. The, the job that Sky Moore is ticketed for is like a flanker slot receiver. Well, Juju's playing in that role last year. And Juju, people you know think he stinks now. He was overrated back in like 2018 or whatever. But he's like a fine NFL veteran who's kind of doing his job, right? So I think you look at Sky Moore going into that role this year with his ability to win on slants, on flat routes, on curl routes, and dig routes, like the short and intermediate stuff. He could really pile up targets in that role. His rookie season, you know, is not too bad when you look at the fact that he was playing at a limited, um, you know, you know, really limited and lower level in college and transitioning to be an NFL player. And I wrote about this in his RP profile. People should just go check it out. Like talking about how they had him kind of play all different positions and just get his feet wet and get him acclimated to the NFL game. I think they're counting on him to be a starter this year, and I think he can play well in that role. That's good to hear. Uh was one of those situations where we got excited about a player. And I think it's sort of a similar thing, maybe with Christian Watson coming from that lower level, having to learn all that, learn the NFL level, you're almost jumping two levels as opposed to just going from big college to, to the NFL. So uh, he's certainly going to play a lot more this year. Isaiah Hodgins uh, wide receiver, 68 ADP. Yeah, I just want to mention Sky Moore was number 29 in the one-number ranking, so not bad for a rookie. Uh, Isaiah Hodgins, number 35 in the one-number rankings. Uh, another great contested catch rate from week 13 through the divisional round, a seven-game span, which is a decent-sized uh, sample. Hodgins caught 34 or 44 targets, 358 yards, 51 yards per game, and five touchdowns. He also had a 1.50 yards per route run. People seem to be sleeping on Hodgins, but they're like they're they're not picking anyone in this receiving core other than Darren Waller. What are your thoughts on Hodgins? Hodgins, I think, stands out in this group because he's the one guy that I think can play the X receiver position. Uh, outside on eighty three point four percent of his sample snaps was on the line for eighty one point four percent. They did some creative stuff with him in that Vikings game when they had him uh, in the playoff game where they had him running like choice routes from the slot. That was pretty cool to see. So it's a little bit speaking to his versatility, but I think he's the one guy who can play on the perimeter and play on the line of scrimmage. You know, Darius Slayton's more of a speed uh, flanker type. You know, Jalen Hyatt is probably a speed flanker type when he's ready to roll, and they have a bunch of slot receivers, right? So I think Hodgins stands out there. Um, his ability to beat press coverage, 77.8%, was really impressive in the game sample for him. So I've, been I've actually been taking a lot of Isaiah Hodgins late in drafts because I think he showed he could actually play last year and is a guy that can play that X receiver position for a team that really needs it. Yeah, as a wide receiver five, wide receiver six, pretty free at the end of drafts. Uh, you know, it just seems like he's going to play 80, 90% of the snaps unless he somehow loses that job. I don't see him doing that. Nico Collins, wide receiver 57, number 33 in the uh, one number rankings, another great contested rate, catch, contested catch rate guy, averaged uh, 48 yards and 0.2 touchdowns on 6.6 .6 targets per game last year, uh, was wide receiver 53 on a per-game basis, 1.63 yards per route run. I'm wondering, with Brandon Cooks gone, I think we have Tank Dell. We're going to talk a little bit about Tank Dell a little bit later. We've got a few more minutes of the podcast, so I want to talk to you about the rookies. But Nico Collins, what, 
what do you think his upside is if uh, you know if he's getting eight nine targets a game I like Nico Collins a lot. He's been like my favorite double digit round receiver just because, again, the only guy on that offense that's going to play the X receiver position. And like I mentioned about the 49ers and Brandon Ayuk, that offense is typically the best when it has itself like a, a real X receiver who could beat press man coverage on the outside. 74th percentile success rate versus press for Nico Collins, 71% against man coverage. Not elite numbers by any means, but I think better than people would imagine. And he's shown an ability to like separate and like sink his hips working over the middle too, in addition to being a downfield threat. I, I think Nico Collins is, again, probably the best breakout bet. I don't know what's his ceiling with the rookie quarterback, but if guys that are going in the late rounds, like the double-digit rounds like that, that can be like a functional flex play and I think can have a break, like a breakout NFL season, it, it's definitely Nico Collins. I'm, I'm a fan of his. I don't want to say I'm like all in on him or anything, but I think in terms of being like a poor man's T. Higgins type of player, he could be that guy. Yeah, and uh, you know maybe you get eight or nine hundred yards and you know six or eight touchdowns. And CJ Stroud might be better. He, I've looked at some stats of his man. Stroud comes in with some good, some good metrics uh, in terms of being a rookie passer. So we'll see. Last thing I want to discuss with you, Matt, if you have a few more minutes, is prospect charting. And you've kind of rolled this out over the last two years. I dug into the numbers a little bit yesterday. Yesterday was my uh, prep for Matt Harmon day uh, at work. So I wanted to mention a few things that I found. I think you find these things interesting as well. But from 21 to 2022, seven of the eight rookies that had a 78% success rate or better in their college charting scored at least eight fantasy points per game as rookies. That's half PPR. That doesn't sound very impressive to the PPR folks, but we, we work in eight, uh, half PPR right now at 444. The only exception was Sky Moore, who we discussed, and maybe why that was. Drake London averaged 8.0 uh, half, uh, half PPR points per game, and he was a fantasy wide receiver 38. That group of eight rookies averaged 9.1 points per game as a whole, which is about what Curtis Samuel averages last year's wide receiver 27. The four players who had a success rate of 80% or more over the last two seasons, and I'm talking about Devonta Smith, Elijah Moore, Jalen Waddell, and Chris Olave, they averaged 10.7 points per game. That's more than what DJ Moore averaged as the wide receiver 19. So what I'm getting at is that Matt's uh, college charting is also useful to know, uh, you know, when they come in, what's their route running, what, how, how good are they as, as route runners coming out of college, and what that does that lead to in terms of fantasy. And we can get starter numbers out of these guys, and it seems like the 78% success rate uh, is the measure in terms of having that immediate impact. Now, there's some guys that are, you know, Jamar Chase. I don't think hit that number and he did fine, but you know, this is a seven out of eight group where they produce the fantasy starter type numbers. Uh, that's super helpful. Uh, you know, when we're trying to project these rookies. Yeah. And it is, I'm glad I'll have you write that one down for me. Right. Uh, put it on the that was test. A lot. That was a lot, wasn't it? <laughs> but yeah, no, I think a guy like Jamar Chase is interesting because he came into the league like playing, real NFL X receiver as a collegiate player, which I think is why his, you know, his success rates were not low by any means, but lower than some of those other players. So um, I think there are a lot of interesting impact players from this year's class. I don't know that any of these guys are as good as like Jamar Chase or Devonta Smith coming into the NFL, even like a Jalen Waddle type. But I think Jackson Smith and Jig was interesting, right? 75% success rate versus man, 83 against uh, press coverage. And he's a guy that's primarily going to line up in the slot. His ability to beat zone coverage is obviously really good. I like him. Um, the two guys I think are gr good for those like late season bets are like Zay Flowers and Quinton Johnston. Like, can they come on late in the year when this passing offense has really clicked? Um, I really like them a lot. And then like, to bring it back to your Packers, buddy, uh, Jaden Reed, big fan of Jaden Reed, 73, 70.3% uh, success rate versus man and 77, a class second in the class, only to Jackson Smith and Jigba, 77.8% success rate versus press coverage. And he's probably going to line up in the slot a ton too. I really like Jaden Reed as, as a sleeper this year for sure. And Rome, Romeo Dobbs did not do particularly well in the no one number rankings. He's one of the aforementioned bottom 10. Uh, I think there's opportunity for Jaden Reed. I did want to mention the two rookies who did suppress the 78% threshold, but not the 80% threshold are uh, Smith and Jigba and Josh Downs, interestingly, third uh, round pick for the Colts. Zay Flowers came in very close, 77.7% uh, overall success rate uh, weighted based on your, your charting. So, uh, 
you know, Flowers is certainly interesting with what's going on with uh, in in uh, Baltimore. Um, Downs, I don't know what to make of that. Uh, given that receiving core, uh, he might fit well there, but with you know, with Alec Pierce and Michael Pittman, um, but the volume of that offense isn't going to be there to support him. But maybe in a long term, you know, dynasty type format, he's somebody to consider. Uh, We're just hoping Michael Pittman gets there this year. Let's say let's, let's save twenty four and twenty five for our year that we can start pushing Josh Downs propaganda. Who I am, I'm a huge Josh Downs fan. All right, we won't spend much time on Josh Downs. Uh, Jaden Reed, you mentioned him. Two other players all came in uh, over at seventy five percent. So that's Jordan Addison, Jaden Reed, and Tank Dell came in over at seventy five percent. Marvin Mims came in at seventy four point eight percent. Addison, Reed, and Dell do seem poised for starter type snaps, seventy percent or more. Uh, Addison seems like he could maybe be ninety percent type player. Uh, if he can take over the, all that Adam Thielen stuff, he had the weird uh, speeding ticket, which I don't know what's going to happen with that, but it didn't show very good judgment. Uh, but he has a good, uh, you know, terrible defense there, and and in, in Minnesota, a good quarterback throwing the ball, and and could be could be a good uh, pick there. But he's going quite a bit earlier. Tank Dell and Jaden Reed are going very very late. Yeah, Tank Dell just the size stuff, obviously, right? But um, Jaden Reed, I do think, you know. You know, maybe behind Christian Watson, wide open Packers depth chart. I want to be at least tracking like how he's playing early on because I think he's got the route running chops and the ability in contested situations. He got a like a few more tweaks there, but he could be a starting level player and uh, a potential pro ready guy right away. I think he's kind of like a discount version of Jordan Addison, honestly. I did see a highlight of him getting a manufactured touch on a reverse that he took to the house. Of course, nobody could tackle him, but he did. He did yeah. run it all the way to the end zone. But, you know. Uh, I did hear, you know, the Tank Dell stuff is interesting because I did hear uh, that he has been very impressive, even though he's, you know, tiny, right? So, you know, just being kind of a short dump off option for uh, for Stroud there would, I think, you know, make him a, a possibility in PPR formats where he's popping his head up for four for 40 in a given week. I wonder who's going to play the slot between him and John Mechie, you know, the, the second year receiver who missed his entire rookie year. Um, is, is, you know, is, is is which one of those guys is going to be out there more often? Because I think Robert Woods is probably ticketed into the flanker role at least early on. Also, how many times is this team really going to get into three receiver sets? Because uh, I think Nico Collins is locked to that X spot. You know, maybe Mechie takes over the flanker spot from Robert Woods at some point, and then Tank Dell is like that speed slot. I don't know. I I do think Tank Dell is really interesting if and when he gets on the field. We have one more question from the chat, and I'll let you go, Matt. Uh, from Alvaro Garcia, I don't. Yeah, we can put it up here. It might be a dumb question. I'm gonna just assume you said dumb there. How is uh, Rashi Rice different from Sky? What role does Rice uh, come into play? Is Rice a threat to Sky? And I will just say that Rice didn't do very well in your college charting. No, he did not. But uh, I was also told that he played almost that entire sample, the specific sample I had with like a foot injury. So I do want to just make that I made that context note in like almost anything I wrote about him. But I actually it's weird because watching him even, you know, I know Brett Veach came out after the draft. like, oh, we think this guy could be a slot receiver for us. Um, I kind of think he profiles more as a big uh, as a big receiver on the outside. Like his best stuff was working deep down the field. I mean, the success rates aren't great, but I'm just talking about like watching him play the stuff. I think he had the most potential to grow in was like running vertical routes down the field. And um, yeah, I think again, the, the success rates aren't there. The con contested catch conversion rates not there, but I think he had some skills to hone as a ball winner on the outside. That to me sounds a lot like what they like about MVS. Like I wonder if Rasheed Rice is MVS's replacement next season. So I don't really think he's, a threat to Sky more from a role perspective, but I think maybe next year we could see Rasheed Rice, you know, who's another guy coming from a low level of competition into Andy Reid's offense. You know, there was a lot of excitement about Sky Moore in training camp this time last year. That's why he never got pushed down to where he should have been from an ADP perspective. They've talked a lot about Rasheed Rice and being excited about him, but like if MVS and Justin Watson are playing over him on the outside, like don't be surprised. Yeah, Justin Watson still apparently starting. They have Justin Ross, who has been flashing and turning heads. I'm seeing video of him as well. They added Richie James uh, for the slot role, potentially, if Skymore can't handle it, potentially. I don't know. Uh, so there's it's a deep core, at least of names that we recognize, uh, but it's, we're still trying to sort out who, who, who it's going to be, You know, who's going to be on the field. I think we know that MBS 
is going to be on the field. We know, obviously, know Travis Kelsey is going to be on the field, but I think after that, it's kind of up in the air. Kadarius Tony, with that injury, sort of set himself back. He was sort of getting interesting, at least from a yards per route run standpoint, even though he wasn't the greatest route runner. Anything you want to say about Tony? Uh, no, he's a gadget player. I didn't know. Uh, let me give you one more deep rookie name for the road. Um, Michael Wilson, Arizona Cardinals. This guy, I looked at my rankings. I have him like ranked 40 spots ahead of consensus this year. Cause he's like the 116th ranked wide receiver, 116th ranked wide receiver heading into the season. I don't have a full profile on him, but I have him, um, as a guy who, is in the uh, rookie roundup there on the site, like mini samples. I think he showed an ability to beat press man coverage as an X receiver. And John, think about the bros there in Arizona, right? It's like Marquise Brown, who we like, but is a small player. Rondale Moore, who I think is a, a slot-only gadget guy. And then like Greg Dortch, who's a tiny slot receiver. There's only one guy in Arizona who could play that X receiver spot. Maybe it's Zach Pascal. I doubt it. I think it's going to end up being uh, Michael Wilson in Arizona. So, look, uh, I might be talking to you about the third target-getting guy for Colt McCoy's offense, but yeah. just keep a name on your radar. He, I have heard the name before. I saw some buzz about him, and looking at that, I, I wanted to ask you about Rondell Moore. I don't know. You're gonna, are you going to chart him this year? Let's see if I have time to. Okay, okay. So he actually did fairly well. Uh, last year in the one number rankings, he was middle of the pack, which I thought was pretty good for a slot receiver. But maybe they they are running um, Wilson, Brown, and Moore out there this year, and maybe it's maybe it's not Colt McCoy. I'm keeping my fingers uh, crossed for Kyler Murray still, I'm keeping a light on. All right, thank you so much for your time, Matt. Appreciate it. Uh, we will definitely have you back on in July or August of next year, if not before that. Really appreciate your time. Sign up to his site, uh, Reception Perception. Follow him at Yahoo Fantasy as well. And to end this, just like John Daigle does, be a little bit kinder than what's required.